Hello and welcome to a special edition of The Jewish Views with Phil Dave, Tony Honigberg and Kate Fulton. Coming up on this episode of The Jewish Views, as you may hear from a little bit of background noise behind us, you find us at Work Avenue in Finchley Central. We are at their Charity Central event and today is all about trying to help members of our community back into the work environment. Now, whether that be through volunteering or through paid work, that all remains to be seen. It's really going to be a case of finding out as the day progresses from the organizers, from the participants, and even from some of the punters who have walked through the door. That is all coming up here on The Jewish Views. But before that, let's get a roundup of the main Jewish news stories from the past week with Vivian Krieger. And we begin with the death of Joe Wageman, the first female president of the Board of Deputies. She was 85. Jo Wageman was the head teacher of JFS between 1985 and 1993, transforming the school in that time. The current head, Rachel Fink, said she developed its reputation as an outstanding learning institution. Henry Grunwald, who succeeded Ms Wageman as board president, said she was a truly great woman. The Prime Minister, Theresa May, has called on the Israeli government not to demolish a Bedouin village in the West Bank, saying it would be a major blow to the two-state solution. Israel is planning to forcibly displace the 300 residents of Khan al-Amar in order to make way for Jewish settlement expansion. The bulldozers have already entered the area. The UN says the demolition of the village would constitute a war crime. There were angry scenes in Belfast as demonstrators attempted to stop the UK's Israeli ambassador from speaking at the city's Queen's University. Mark Regev had been invited to talk to students who study subjects related to politics and conflict resolution. The police were in evidence as some 70 protesters waved Palestinian flags. Queen said it had also invited the Palestinian ambassador to the UK to engage with students in a similar format. The Palestinian baby boy who received a heart from a Jewish child in a groundbreaking operation has died. Six-month-old Musa was being treated at the Sheba Hospital in central Israel, where a spokesman said the child had at one point been recovering better than expected. He said the surgical team were all desperately saddened by his death. And finally, there's been a funding boost of some £1.5 million for charities fighting hate crime. The National Hate Crime Plan sets aside extra cash for organisations such as the Anne Frank Trust, which tackles prejudice and intolerance. There's reportedly another £800,000 to help secure Christian, Muslim, Sikh and Hindu places of worship. Synagogues already benefit from a fund which is administered annually by the Community Security Trust. Thank you, Viv. First on The Jewish Views this week, Richard Ferrer, editor of The Jewish News, joins us to review the copy of The Jewish News for this week. So let's look at the front page, Richard, and what have we got? We're talking about Joe Wagerman, who unfortunately died this week. Yeah, every now and then we, we lose a community legend, someone who, when the news breaks, I think in the newsroom you feel this kind of audible gasp. Recent examples being the great, great Shimon Perez and Nicholas Winton. And I don't think it's too fine a point to, to suggest that the same thing happened. Well, f- certainly for me personally, there are quite a few old JFS Nicks in the building. I am one of them. I was there in the, in the 80s as uh, Mr. Gatoff. Leslie Gatoff. It's weird calling teachers by their first names. <laughs> Would you mind if I just called him Mr. Gatoff? Yeah, please, yeah, I please couldn't, do. I couldn't do that. Yeah, I didn't even know they had first names until I left school. Yeah. And he left in 1983, I think it was, maybe 1984, and Joe Wagerman took over. And uh, it's fair to say that she was a role model 
for my generation, certainly for my friends, all of them have felt very kind of personally about her loss and her legacy. You know, we, they, we felt great reverence for the woman. I think she dragged Jewish education out of like the old dark ages of you know the mortar hat and the and the and the black gowns and the, and the corporal she, she punishment. She brought us into the 20th century. She was a moderniser, yeah. and I and I could see that happening even there as a teenager. I remember bringing uh, Sharansky at school, and she very proudly showed him around school in the mid 80s after he was released you know one of mm. the great refusenik prisoner in, in, in a russian jail she never i don't think knew i was there three four hundred kids in a year but in my role as i don't believe that for a second no. <laughs> i think everyone knows when you're there <laughs> Mate, i'd like to think so now but i can assure you in in in, in shorts and in knee-high shorts you wouldn't say boo to a goose back then and in my role i have had had the chance to meet her over the years and you know, she always pretended that she knew who I was, but I don't, think, I don't think she ever did. And like I said, I always ended up calling her Miss rather than by her first name. Anyway, her, the current head teacher, as I think they call them now, mm. of JFS, Rachel Fink, has written a very profoundly moving piece in this week's paper. She was also a former JFS student a couple of years under, under me, writing about how she was her personal role model and as she has taken on the mantle and kind of move Joe Wageman's legacy forward. You know, she felt quite personally about the loss. Uh, it's, it's probably one of the best things we have in the paper this week. And, um, and we shouldn't forget her work at the Board of Deputies as well. Mm. Yes, first female Board of Deputies president, mm. landmark OBE, recognised by the Queen. Somebody who, yeah, I think, in, in her years has left a, an indelible mark, I think, on me and the entire community she'll, she'll well, be forever missed yeah I, I not, not just the community I think the wider non-Jewish community as well yeah she's quite well known I think unfortunately the paper is sprinkled a bit with sad news this week because not only the loss of Joe Wageman but also unfortunately we spoke about it last week it was sounding maybe promising but fairly serious but there was a Palestinian baby that had had a transplant that the heart belonged to a Jewish child and unfortunately it's not worked out in the way that everyone was hoping mm. so yeah a, a Jewish family uh, mum and dad lost their little child from a chronic heart condition two weeks ago last week baby Musa a Palestinian child who really had no chance uh, unless this urgent transplant took place it happened at Sheba hospital we found out on Tuesday after this story broke last week that sadly that the child had lost his brave fight for life. Now, obviously, the story is, is desperately sad, and, and you know, as a parent, I can I can only imagine the horror of, of going through something like that. But th- it was a story I think that certainly captured the Jewish community's imagination. It was a story that I think made us all very proud of what potentially Israel could be to the Palestinians and, and, and the role it could have in the Middle East. It's an Israel you know, we can all admire, and certainly it's something that I think raised our spirits. Uh, it's, uh, sad stories can do that. You know, uh, sad stories that, that end ultimately in tragedy can actually in, in, enlighten us and bring us together. I think this one did it. So as we've put a headline in, in this week's paper, Moose's Jewish heart lives on. Wow. What, how on earth do we follow on from that? Whoa. Well, I suppose that one way that we can look at it is that you're saying about coming together here at Work Avenue. I think this is exactly what the community is doing today. It is obviously all about coming together as a community and trying to do good work within our community and the wider, you know, as well. It's not just about working within the community. We're obviously going to find out a little bit more about that when we speak to some of the organisers very shortly. But what would you say that 
a sense of community. I'm putting you on the spot here a bit, Rich, because you didn't know I was going to ask you this, but what do you say that community means to you? You obviously are in the heart of the community with what you do, and today's all about it. So what does community mean to you and your position within that community? Well, I think you look around Work Avenue and you can see community actually happening. You can see people helping each other, supporting each other, moving people in positive directions, whether that's in their career, in their family, in education. And it's what the Jewish community does best. It means different things, doesn't it? I'm not religious, but I I love the educational elements. I love the support we have for, for older people in our community, the respect and reverence we have for the older generation. These are the things that I think keep us together, just like any community. Everything should start with a very strong base. I think the Jewish community has an exceptionally strong base, and that's why I think so many people, so many Jewish people in Britain do so well. Yeah, and we can see from here that there are lots of people from across the Jewish community, so they're not just religious or not just progressive. There's everybody here looking, looking for either for voluntary work or looking for paid work. What else have we got? It's important to, to say at the outset here, this is nothing to do with the Labour Party as such. It's not to do with Jeremy Corbyn. It's not no. to do with the Parliamentary Labour Party. Unfortunately, tempers have been boiling over on the street. Temperaments and tempers boiling over. Last Thursday, Jenny Mason, who's a key member of Jewish Voice for Labour, denying any anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. She wants to become the Labour Party's candidate for Finchley and Golders Green. So John McDonnell, the Shadow Chancellor, had an event with her last week. And outside this event, a man who had a Israeli flag draped around his shoulders was the target of an attack by a cigarette lighter. Somebody came up behind him, lit the cigarette lighter, trying to burn the flag on his shoulders. That could have been so disastrous. Well, you know how flammable these cheap materials are. It could have gone right up. Luckily, it didn't, and the man escaped. Police are looking into that. The event went off without a hitch inside. In fact, Israel and, and, and anti-Semitism wasn't really the issue. It was more local community mm. politics. So that was one thing. And then this week on Tuesday on the Seven Sisters Road, an Israeli activist was punched to the ground. We have a picture of her on page four of this week's paper. She was punched to the ground. Sharon Claff. Was there a demonstration going on? Yes, then? these are demonstrations outside that take place right. and there must be a space for debate but I've been at these events I was at the Al, Al Quds rally earlier this year and yeah you see people who are who's literally got steam coming out their ears they're so angry they're so completely opposite opinions polar opposite opinions but for things to end it with, with physical that's attack true. but unfortunately that's been happening in the last few days on the streets of London. And it's also important just to echo, I know you said it at the beginning of this, but it's important to stress that we can't necessarily tarnish those individuals as, quote, Labour voters, because it's nothing necessarily to do with this. It's not about party politics. This is about personal beliefs and people acting on those. And it just feels, I don't think this is too dramatic. It feels a bit scary knowing that we are getting to a stage where people are that riled from either side of the debate. It doesn't matter which side you support because that's the beauty of democracy. We live in a society where you're allowed to have a different opinion. But it just feels quite worrying that people can get so het up and so passionate about what they believe in that they are prepared to harm another who doesn't share that view. It must be very frustrating when you go to an event with a well thought out rational opinion, you think, 
and no matter what you say to the person who disagrees with you it doesn't make even a slight iota of change mm -hmm. in their mind you can't convince them of your position or legitimacy in any way and I can understand that feels like hitting your head against a brick wall unfortunately you're going to have to walk away and you can't convince some people unfortunately it, it seems some people don't take that view and want to take matters into their own hands yeah and unfortunately we're seeing this not just in this country and not just against Jews but we're seeing it worldwide against lots of different different things really absolutely it really is the rise of the far right and the rise of the far left mm. it's very very peculiar times but unfortunately that is where we are going to have to leave it for a look at the paper for this week but Richard thank you very much indeed for making the schlep over to Work Avenue to join us to do the paper review is it your press day isn't it you better rush back actually and do what you need to do but thank you very much don't forget you can pick up your copy though of the Jewish News every Thursday across London or you can read the e-version at jewishnews.co.uk You're listening to the Jewish Views in association with the Jewish News now back on this amazing event we're talking to Debbie Sheldon and Debbie you are the CEO of Work Avenue that's right tell us a bit about what how today came about and, and what's it for Work Avenue helps people find employment anyone who's looking to work or to earn a living really through starting a business or finding a job is welcome through our doors and we help them find a job my colleague Emma May came up with this concept together with someone from one of our charities actually exhibiting here today and the idea was that many of our job seekers are looking to work in the charity world in the third sector a lot of people especially if they've come out of a job in the commercial world looking to return to work want to do something with purpose and with meaning and working in the charity sector really is for them and what better way than for the community to come together bringing many of our major charities under one roof and seeing how we can potentially recruit those job seekers for positions in the charity sector so everybody here today represents a charity or the, the, the people who are on their stalls absolutely and give us an example of the kind of charities who are here we have lots of charities and in absolutely no particular order. We have JW3, we have CST, we have Norwood, we have Camp Simcha, we have JLC. I, mean, I could go on, no, we really do have 30 fine. charities In fact, here. we're also joined by Emma. Emma, tell us a bit about yourself and what you do for Work Avenue. So I um, have a dual role at Work Avenue. I assist Debbie in the running of the organization, but what's most relevant today is that I head up the employment team. In other words, I kind of am responsible for putting together the programs that we run to help people find work. This is a fantastic example of that. It's just one of the events that we run. Many people think of charity as volunteers, and I know you said that you expect and hope that people who don't have a job will make that step into the workplace, maybe via a charity. But is there a possibility they could also earn some money as well? Because they, if you're out of work, you do need to still pay the bills. Very, very much so. We're very, very practically focused. And whilst volunteering is, is a fantastic way to move into employment, we're only too well aware that most of our clients come to us because they actually need to earn a living. It's very straightforward. It's what we all have to do. However, we would say, come along, talk to the charities. It may be that you might have to start off in a voluntary role, but all the charities here today are here because it's a recruitment event, and they are here to talk to people who are actually looking to work. It's very, very much a recruitment event. Do you have any age restriction on the people that are coming to you? I mean, if they're past retirement age and they're still looking for work because they have to earn Absolutely money, not. it doesn't matter. Absolutely not. Our clients are very, very diverse, and we work with all age groups of people many of whom are from school leavers or 
new graduates, right through the, the decades of employment. And we work with many, many clients who are beyond what we, we used to know as the retirement age. But of course, these days, people work until whatever age they, they want to and feel they can. I was actually going to just step in there and give you an example of something that just happened. I was speaking to somebody who's got a copywriting background and really wants to get back into the workplace. And one of our smaller charities here, Ohel Sara, is looking for someone to help them with their newsletter and their communications. And I've put them in touch with each other. It will begin as a voluntary role, but it will hopefully lead to something more. And how does Work Avenue actually... I suppose work alongside the people who are trying to get back into the swing of working. Do you, are you with you every step of the way? Yes, we can be, and for many, many of our clients, we are. We provide a sort of cradle-to-grave employment service, if you will. So we are very happy to provide advice, provide guidance, and provide support to help our clients with the development of a contemporary and elegant CV. We then assist them with all the skills they need to make sure that any interview they attend isn't just a nice cosy chat between two people, but really has some clout and some weight behind it. We also help them with where to look for work, with how to look for work, with how to reach out and connect with people and network. And very crucially also, we have a jobs board. Our jobs board actually has vacancies on it and there's nothing better than actually being able to match one of our clients with a vacancy that we know to exist somewhere, putting the two together so they, that the individual gets a job, the organization gets a very valued member of staff. We're pretty happy with the whole thing really. And this is for the Jewish community? This is for the Jewish community, not exclusively for the Jewish community. Everybody is welcome through our doors. We pride ourselves on being a community organisation. That community can be geographic, it could be for the Jewish community, it could be for groups of people who class themselves as a community. And speaking as yourselves now, individually, you're not representing technically Work Avenue at this precise moment in time. How rewarding is what you do? It is so rewarding. I came from a teaching background. I thought there was nothing more rewarding than taking children and being able to put them to the next level. There really is nothing more rewarding for me than coming home at the end of the day, knowing that someone else is also walking through their door proud and being able to say that they are making a difference. I can only endorse everything Debbie says. I've worked in the private sector before. I've worked in the public sector before. Working in this sector doing this job is without a doubt the very best job I've ever had. MMA, Debbie Sheldon, thank you very much and keep on going on. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you very much. If you would like any more information on any of the stories or the guests that have featured on this episode of The Jewish Views, then you can always go to our website, jewishviews.co.uk. You're listening to The Jewish Views in association with The Jewish News. And we're coming to you from Work Avenue today. And I'm talking to Alison Torns from Jamie. Tell me what Jamie does. Jamie is an amazing organisation that reaches out to the Jewish community for those suffering with mental health. That's dealing with uh, individual service users, carers, offers incredible voluntary places for for people. And and is it for people with mental health that live outside, uh, live on their own, or do they live within the Jamie community? Jamie provides day centre service but it also goes out into the community we have social workers occupational therapists working with one-on-ones in in the community it tailors to the needs of the individual basically and what are you hoping to get out of today's exhibition here just to share how important Jamie is I mean if, if I talk about my own personal experience 
I was a service user. I came to Jamie. Was not in a very, very good place. And through incredible occupational therapy support, I ended up becoming a volunteer. And from being a volunteer, now I'm employed by Jamie. Which is incredible, really, because it just goes to show what fantastic work they do. Would you be prepared to tell us a bit about your journey? Don't go into any details you don't want to, but we'd love to get a better understanding of just what Jamie means to you and what they've done for you, if that's okay. Yeah, I I came to Jamie very, very lost, with very, very low self-esteem. I didn't have any confidence. Life had kind of brought me to my knees, and through that initial phone call I ended up meeting with an occupational therapist who I owe my life to today basically and even this morning I I thought of her because obviously life is complicated life brings what it brings and you know at, at times of great need you look to the people or you think of the people that supported you and like today You know, the lady I spoke to on the telephone before I came here today, I know that I was in that position and to be able to empathise with her and for her to know that she has somebody there despite being very, very poorly right now, I'm listening. And I think that's what Jamie does, basically. It, It listens. And now you are speaking on London's premier Jewish podcast. Who would have thought that this is where you'd end up? Amazing. Yeah. I'm very humble. <laughs> I've never done something like this before in my life. <laughs> well, you're doing an amazing job, and I have to say, it looks like your stand has got lots of people yet there, so you're clearly very much in demand, and it's wonderful how you, how you really are, in the true sense, sort of paying it forward. Thank you very much. If you would like to get in contact about any of the stories you've heard on this show, then we'd love to hear your Jewish views. You can email studio at jewishviews.co.uk. On Facebook, go to facebook.com forward slash the Jewish Views. Twitter, we are at Jewish Views UK. Or you can go to our website, jewishviews.co.uk. You're listening to the Jewish Views in association with the Jewish News. One of the charities that I have the privilege of learning more about is Ohel Sara. And Leslie Silver is here to talk to me about that. What is Ohel Sara? So we are an Israel-based charity that helps people with disabilities from age six to the end of their life. So we have work programs, we have schools, we have accommodation. We even have a really cute marriage program where people that want to get married, we help them to do so pay for their wedding and we accommodate them and we just help them for for their life that's That's extraordinary and you're based in israel we are we're based in b'nai brak which is right by tel aviv it's predominantly a haredi area although we attract people from the whole of israel what brings you to london and specifically to finchley's to this uh, event so we are based in London. We are the fundraising arm, or one of the fundraising arms of Ohosara. We have one in the US, we have in other countries in Europe, and us in Britain. We're, we're raising funds from the British Jewish community here, and everything goes to Israel to help people there. And specifically at this event, volunteers are being sought. What sort of capacity can you attract volunteers? I mean, I would have thought that in a charity like you're describing, you'd possibly need medically qualified people, or is that not the case? So in Israel, for sure. In Israel, that's where everything is actually done. Here, we're, we're just fundraising. 
so we're looking for someone admin based to help us we're only two people here in in london so it's relatively small we are just looking for someone admin based who can help us so that we can get out and try and raise as much money as we can for this amazing cause and it's quite a stark contrast if you look at some of the larger charities here our house is clearly one of the smaller ones but yet, it just goes to show that it doesn't matter the size of the organization. It's just as important that people are here, that they get involved with all of the great work that we do as a community as a whole. Do you find, though, that you are at a disadvantage for being a slightly smaller charity? I actually have to say, I'm probably not in the presence of all the bigger charities. In some ways, a smaller charity gives us an advantage. The work that we do in Israel is somewhat more well-known. In Israel, we're very well-known for what we do. Even in Israel, we're not massive or big by any any means. But I think it's a very emotive cause, and we're really trying to do something amazing. And people see that here. I don't want to get too linguistic here, but isn't Ohel a tent of some description? Yes. So an Ohel Sara, how did that come about? Because it's, it's not something that necessarily was a trip off the tongue in terms of remembering it. So probably, I'm not 100% sure that this is the answer, so it's potentially a guess. But basically, the idea of an Ohel or a tent is it's open at all sides. It's very welcoming to absolutely everybody. And, you know, without getting too, too religious with Abram, what he was known for was standing outside his tent and welcoming everybody. And I think that is what Ahel Sara does. Leslie Silver from Ahel Sara, thank you very much for talking to us. Thank you for having me. We are joined now by the chief exec of probably one of the best known charities, maybe not just in the Jewish community, but I'd argue probably in the country as well. We have Daniel Carmel Brown from Jewish Care. And you are most welcome, sir. Thank you very much for speaking to us on the Jewish Views. First and foremost, impressions of this fantastic event that's happening today. Well, thank you. Thank you for that grand welcome as well. So I'm fluent in schmooze, don't worry. <laughs> I, I've just arrived and they've billed me as the keynote speaker. I don't quite know why, because I, I see myself as one of, you know, one of the community. So I don't, I don't see it as any grand kind of role. In fact, one of the things I'm going to say when I speak is that when I was first appointed, the first phone call I got was from the chief rabbi who phoned to congratulate me on the job. And he said to me, you have the biggest job in the Jewish community because Jewish Care is the biggest organization and therefore it's the biggest job in the community. And I said, no, 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 that's not the case. I said, for me, the people that are most important in organizations like Jewish Care are the people who are providing the care, the frontline staff who are delivering the care. All we are there to do is to facilitate that. Absolutely, um, and I think it would be very unfair to me to ask you in a short interview to summarize the work Jewish Care does because Look, it's no hidden secret. I, I don't think we should avoid the fact that this program used to be affiliated with Jewish Care, so we yeah. know firsthand what you guys do Indeed. and how you do what you do. But can you try and maybe give a bit of an explanation as to some of the branches that Jewish Care offers to the community? Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, essentially it's divided into kind of two core areas in some ways. So you've got a range of care homes, so residential facilities in which people live, and we're providing care for people that is increasingly much more complex than it used to be. So there are 11 care homes that we operate and increasingly people are coming to us at a much later stage in their life. They are more frail and they need more attention and care from the people who both work and volunteer in those facilities. On the other side, we have what we call our community-based services. So those are the services that we're providing to people in the community or in community centres where people come to us. So that may be domiciliary home care, it may be centres like the Sobel Centre, which you'll be familiar with, the Holocaust Survivor Centre, there's still a centre in Tower Hamlets and Stepney, in Redbridge and South End. And then there's a whole range of work that's somewhat hidden actually, that people don't often see until they need 
the services of the organisations. You think about things like social work. Often the first port of call is our helpline and people will go from our helpline to our social work services. And they are the gatekeepers in many ways to a range of social care organisations, including Jewish care, but others as well, to enable people to live as independently as possible. So there's a whole range of services across London and the South East that we're providing. Now, I don't think I'm giving away any major secret when I say this, but you have very recently stepped into the shoes of Simon Morris, who of course was at the helm of the charity for a long time. How have you found your new role so far? How's it going? People, people say to me, are you enjoying it? And I say, enjoying is one word I would use to describe it. There are many other words, of course, that I would use. Are they radio-friendly? That's the main thing. <laughs> Most of them are. I, I've spent my whole summer undertaking what I call one big listening experience. I haven't spent much time in Golders Green. For me, Golders Green is not the centre of the world, not the centre of the Jewish care world, for sure. Oh, and, that. <laughs> lives in Live Golders Green. <laughs> and I, I have made, I've, made, I've made every effort to go out and visit and see every team, every group of volunteers, residents, relatives, users of all of our services, donors, supporters, to try and understand what the challenges are that we face as an organisation going forward. So for me, I'm just listening at the moment, and of course that will develop into a plan for the future in due course. I'm interested, Jewish Care is obviously, as, as Phil said, one of the, if not the biggest charity. How do you interact with some of the smaller charities? You, you know, there could be a tendency to, sort of, to feel that, that either they're gobbled up or that they're not they're not on, on equal terms. Do you do you help bring them into the community, and how would you do so at an event like this? Yeah, I think I, my I come from a background of being a community worker, so my roots are in local community activism in many ways, and I feel very strongly that you can't take an organisation like Jewish Care and assume it's going to be the kind of big brother of the community. Effectively, we are a whole range of different communities working together now. For efficiency purposes, Jewish care has, has come about because lots of different organisations have become part of the family. But when you think about some of the newer models that are developing, you great, take the example, the great example of our work with Jamie, mental health charity, which is remains an independent organisation but effectively works in partnership with us but has this kind of subsidiary support service that we provide through the work that we do. It's a great model for how we can work together with small organisations going forward. Now, Daniel, the idea behind today is obviously about trying to encourage members of the community back into work, maybe into volunteering, paid work, whatever it might be. In an organisation such as Jewish Care that obviously heavily depends on volunteers, can you maybe talk about the importance of why you needed to be here and why you'd always need people, like all the charities that are here today, need people to volunteer and what they actually do for the organisation? Yeah, for sure. It's really interesting actually thinking about this organisation, what it does for the Jewish community, trying to support people with employment and volunteering opportunities. If I think about Jewish Care, the vast majority of our paid workforce are not Jewish which means that we rely on our volunteer workforce to bring the Yiddishkeit to everything that we do. They bring that Jewishness to the organisation. So for me, they are a fundamental part of the workforce. Whether The fact they're not paid is an irrelevance to me. And in fact, I was in a meeting yesterday just talking about how you know, what, makes, what makes Jewish care unique is the Jewishness. It's not the care. You can go to different places to get the care, but you get Jewish care because we are able to source the energy of volunteers through our organisation. And do you find you get enough volunteers or are you always short of volunteers? I think, I think we're probably always looking for new volunteers. I think we've changed our approach to volunteering. I think we recognise that the old days of just asking people to come in 
and service and serve people is very different from what we're looking for now. We're trying to match opportunities to utilize people's expertise with the roles that we need to perform. So if I think about lots of the kind of expert groups or governing committees that exist around the organization, they are all filled with volunteers who have expertise in their field that helps us as an organization. Do you know what? I can see that we are on the cusp of having to let you go because I think I they're, getting ready. Yeah. they're getting ready for you to make your <laughs> keynote speech, which we will let you go well, and thank do. Thank you but very Daniel much for having Brown. me. Thanks. Thank you so thank much you, for Daniel. speaking to us. Thank you. So I'm wandering around and chatting to delegates. There are lots of people here and I've just managed to nab Charlotte. What brought you here today? I've been a lawyer for about 30 years and I'm just really ready to leave the law, looking for a new role. I'm already involved with Work Avenue. They've been helping me with my CV and helping me to look for roles. And I heard about Charity Central Fair. Thought it'd be a great opportunity to come along and find something in the Jewish sector. And do you think it's quite hard to move after a long time? Have you found that a, a difficult? I think it potentially is, but genuinely Work Avenue are sort of taking the fear out of it and making me feel it's all about transferable skills. So it's a very different world now. So that has given me confidence that I have got skills that could be used in roles that I hadn't even thought about. So outside the law, outside you mean? the law, yes, I am yeah. looking outside the law now. So have you have you needed help with even the sort of actually redrafting your CV in a more sort of funky way? Oh yes, my CV was definitely outdated. So I've got the very old version and the very new version, which is literally just one side. My whole. <laughs> 30-year career has been condensed into into one sheet of paper, but it but it says it as it is. So, and have you found that some of the charity sectors here are interesting to you? Yes, I mean I I've worked with children in the past, places like Norwood, the obvious example, definitely. Well, we'll be speaking to them soon. Thank yes. you very much and good luck. Thank you. I'm going to chat to Ben. Ben, welcome. You're also a delegate here. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I've I just came round just to see what what it's like here today, really. So yeah. How did you hear about it and what sort of thing are you interested in? I heard through here, the, the charity. So yeah, I just came along just to network. I'm looking for jobs in mental health industry. So I've, I chatted to a few people. How do you find events like this? I mean, are they, are they intimidating? Are they friendly? How easy is it to sort of, to actually get to talk? We talk about networking as if it's something you just sort of go along and buy from a shop, but yeah. is it hard? I think sometimes it can be, yeah, especially when you don't really know people. But I think the people here are definitely friendly. It was, it was good to makes come along. Makes it easier. Along. Yeah, exactly. It makes it easier. It makes it easier to talk to someone. It's sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's hard to introduce yourself. But once you've done it, you get into the flow and it's good. Are you looking for a volunteering position? So I'm looking for volunteering or even full-time work as well. Both. It's, uh, I've heard, but it's said uh, quite often here today that uh, one can lead to the other. If you do some volunteering and you increase your skill set and you get to meet people. Well, that's the thing. Exactly right. So if you volunteer for, for a workplace, they may yeah, land up offering you a job or, or they may know people, whatever. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely good. Definitely. Great. Well, I don't want to keep you from, from the networking. Good luck. Ben. Thank you very much. And now I'm going to ask Karen, what brought you here today? I'm here today to kind of get a feel of what's out there in the um, volunteering world and I thought it was an amazing opportunity to see all the different organisations and what they have to offer in one place. 
Are you transitioning jobs? I'm considering it, yeah. So I'm currently working, but I'm looking to see what's out there. And if there's anything suitable, then maybe I will move jobs. And how do you assess what's suitable? Do you, are you looking for something sort of similar or do you try and look to see what you're good at, what your skills are and, and look for something that, that would utilise those skills? So I'm currently working in marketing, so I am looking for transferable skills. The similar kind of job, but in the charity sector. And do you go to particular charities that you think may have marketing, or do most charities, I suppose, do have some marketing in them? I think most of them do. I am looking for charities I feel I could connect to and I have things in common with. But yeah, most of the charities here today I have seen do have similar departments to where I'm working at the moment. And hopefully that will lead to something that you you find fulfilling and permanent. I hope so, amen. Thank you. Good for that. Good luck. Thank you. You're listening to the Jewish Views in association with the Jewish News. And today we're coming to you from Work Avenue Charity Central, where they've got lots of stalls out with lots of charities. We're talking now to Raymond Spimson, who is the Chief Executive of JW3. Now, we think of JW3 as an organisation... Why are you here? Because this is generally charitable. And do you have charity in JW3? That's a very good question. So a lot of people interact with JW3 as a venue, as the place they go for fantastic events or courses or classes or to learn Hebrew or for great meals or for bar mitzvahs. They don't necessarily think of it or consider that JW3, like all of the other 30 charities here, is one of the charities within the Jewish community. We're completely non-profit. We're a registered charity. And like all charities, we start with a vision and mission. And like all charities, we then put on charitable activities in order to achieve our mission. The difference is for JW3 that our charitable activities you all get to enjoy by coming along to. And paying for, of course. Well, that's the other great thing about JW3 as a charity model, is that we're not reliant on funding for 100% of what we do. Some charities can have earned revenue, for example, through a charity shop. But you don't go to a JW3 charity shop to buy your things. Instead, we can earn revenue through a restaurant, through ticket prices, through venue hire, and that can cover something like nearly 60% of what we need to spend to achieve our charitable objectives, and the rest we fundraise. What do you hope to get out of today? So when we first heard about this, actually we were one of the first charities to sign up because mostly, to be honest, we wanted to support the fantastic work of Work Avenue. I wasn't quite expecting how fantastic the day would be, how many people there would be, how many charities. I think I underestimated them. What we decided was, even if there aren't specific jobs right this minute that would match the people here looking, what we want to do is to start building a talent pool. It's really hard within the Jewish community to find the brightest and the best people. And we think that the Jewish community deserves that as much as any commercial organization. So we're looking today and having loads of conversations with people who might want to come and work for an exciting, dynamic organization that helps transform the Jewish community. And so far, we've maybe 20 or so people, we've collected CVs of people that are interested in roles. And would those roles be as a volunteer or would they be paid roles? Or are there many volunteer roles at JW3? We have about 60 staff all in all at JW3 and we have a few hundred volunteers. So again, like all the great Jewish organizations, we wouldn't survive without an army of committed volunteers. What sort of roles are you talking about with those volunteers? So the volunteer roles really range wildly. It could be somebody who comes in once a week to do social media, for example, in the marketing team. It could be somebody who 
ushers at the events. If you've been to an event at JWE3, maybe someone took your ticket, showed you to your seat. A lot of those people are volunteers. There are social action projects, interfaith projects, projects we do with children and young people. So the volunteers span the ages. We have teenage volunteers up to volunteers in their 70s. Do you ever struggle, though, to get people to volunteer for JW3? Because I think many people would be forgiven for thinking that JW3 is a commercial venture. Now, even though you've explained very clearly that it's not, yep. it would still come across that way to many people. And therefore, if they're thinking to themselves, well, hang on, JW3 are charging for this. Why am I volunteering? Do you ever struggle with people? Not really. Sometimes we struggle with, that, with, the, with the understanding, like you just said. Mm. But... I think the reason we don't struggle is the volunteering was built in from the very first day. So we opened our doors almost exactly five years ago, five years and two weeks ago, and we had a launch. Seen that long, does it? <laughs> and we had a launch weekend where we had more volunteers than we had paid staff working. So about a hundred people volunteered for the launch weekend, and out of those, about eighty percent are still volunteers five years later. And the volunteer group has grown and grown and grown. By the way, some people only volunteer once or twice a year. They might volunteer for Gefilte Fest or for our Interfaith Seder Night. And other people are there every single week volunteering. So it's a real range. Now, everybody that's exhibiting here are looking for people. The amount of people that we have in the Jewish community is quite small. And everybody's fighting for a place. How do people go about or how do you go about saying that you need more than someone else? The truth is we never, ever go for the approach that we need it more than anyone else. One of the fundamental values of JW3 is about partnership. We are a part of the Jewish community. We will only succeed in our mission if all of the Jewish organizations are successful. So if somebody came to me and said, I'm considering whether I can volunteer my two hours a week to Jewish care or JW3, we would never want to try and encourage them to take us over someone else. Sure. What we do is say, this is what JW3 is about. Here are our values, here's our vision, and here's the culture. If that sounds like something you'd like to do, we'd love you to. If it doesn't, we can point you in the direction of another amazing Jewish charity, go and volunteer for them, but get involved, that's the most important thing. Which means that you're really part of the, the Jewish community and in the wider sense of the world, the sort of family, which is, I guess, how you fit in here. Absolutely. So we, we've never, ever wanted to, anyone to think that we're trying to do it alone. The very first thing I did five and a half years ago, I moved into my new office in the new building before we opened. And the first thing I put on my wall in a frame was this great quote with a great picture. Uh, it's of from you. the Midrash. Yeah, it's, a picture of, it's just a big picture of me. It's from Midrash Rubber, and it says, a community is too heavy to carry alone. Hmm. We really fundamentally believe that. If it was just, if we were saying we can do everything, the community would fail. A community, if you look around this room today, 30 organizations, dozens and dozens of outstanding hmm. professionals, and look, there's nearly 300 people looking for a job in the Jewish community. It's not because the Jewish community pays better than a commercial job. It doesn't. It's because it's such a rewarding way to spend your to spend your nine to five. Well, you said the word community. Absolutely. Raymond Simonson, Chief Executive of JW3. Thank you for coming on the Jewish Absolutely Views. my pleasure. You're listening to the Jewish Views in association with the Jewish News, and you find us still here at Work Avenue, Finchley Central, and of course we're here at their Charity Central event. Well, now let's speak to somebody who's actually benefited from the work that Work Avenue actually does. We're joined now by Rachel Yuko, who works for the JVN, the Jewish Volunteers Network. Rachel, welcome to the Jewish Views. How in particular has Work Avenue helped you in your career? Well, after having my four children, I had a career break. I was previously a teacher. 
I was looking for a career change, literally had no idea where to start, didn't feel I had the skills necessary in the workplace outside of teaching. So I registered with Work Avenue about three years ago. I attended pretty much all of their courses from CV writing, networking, interviewing skills. And after all these courses, I was advised to volunteer as a way of networking and to find my feet and to develop new skills. And just to get a, an understanding of background as far as you're concerned, was it a conscious decision that you left work to have a family as opposed to went on maternity leave, which some people would do? Yeah, after a few maternity leaves, I then made a conscious decision to get out of teaching. And I thought, I don't want to teach anymore. And what was the turning point to say that you wanted to get back into the workplace? Boredom. <laughs> I had lost a sense of me. Um... Hello, Rachel's children, if you're listening. <laughs> but mummy's bored. <laughs> I lost the sense of who I was as a person. I wanted to be more than just Rachel the mummy. <laughs> but tell us a bit about that process because was that quite daunting for you? The yeah, thought it was very of getting scary. back into it. I felt that I'd always wanted to be a teacher and I felt I had no IT skills and all the jobs I'd looked at, I didn't feel I had the skills for. So the best piece of advice Emma gave me was try volunteering. Which is excellent because there is a sense, and, and I've heard this from a few people wandering around, you feel a bit kind of, not you necessarily, but you feel a bit old-fashioned. Like your CV, it's a little bit like wearing, you know, sort of drain pipes when they were out of fashion. Is that a weird analogy? But anyway. Can I just say your drain pipes are lovely. <laughs> <laughs> They're out of fashion, yeah. Phil. I can feel that now. Do you feel that you were able to zap up, funk up, make, make it look cool, your, your CV, and how you so, present? Emma taught me a different way of writing a CV. I always thought it was a, a list of jobs you have done, but she showed me the ways of writing a skills-based. And obviously as a teacher, I had developed a lot of skills. So she taught me a functional, how to write a CV from the perspective of a skills-based CV. And then that, when I saw that in writing and I saw that in front of me, I suddenly thought, oh. You get oh, confident, don't you? You confidence. feel, actually, gosh, yes, I can do all these yeah, things. Exactly. And then you can, you can go on to jobs that you wouldn't have necessarily thought were available to you. Yes, but at that point, I still didn't know what I wanted no. to do. So that's why I was advised to volunteer. And of the, and you, and you now volunteer, you now are looking for volunteers yourself yeah. at the Jewish Volunteer Network. Yeah. Which does what exactly? We have about 500 charities registered with us and we help them find volunteers and people like me come along or people who are retired come along and say I've got this time on my hands help me find an opportunity so I meet with them on a one-to-one -one and get them into that and find positions within the Jewish within the Jewish and non-Jewish charity world well long may you continue opening doors for other people Rachel Yuko from Jewish Volunteers Network thank you very much indeed for speaking to us yeah lovely thank you you're listening to the Jewish News and Association with the Jewish News. We're at Work Avenue Charity Central, and here with me is Pippa Ewings, who is from Norwood. Tell me, Pippa, what do you do at Norwood? So I'm the recruitment manager at Norwood. So we recruit for a lot of roles um, within the social sector. So we have a lot of residential supported living homes across London and Berkshire. So I manage the team that recruit all of the staff for that. And I manage the recruiter that looks after our head office based roles as well for fundraising and marketing. Norwood is mainly about looking after children or adults with disabilities? It's both. So we have a um, majority of our homes are for adults with learning disabilities and disabilities and we have a couple of children's centres as well. How do volunteers aid your work? 
So we have volunteers that come and help in our head office. They'll come and do administration duties and just help in the day-to-day -day running of the offices. We also have volunteers that come and help into our services as well. So they'll sit with residents, they do activities with residents. So quite core really, quite key. Yeah, and they do a lot. So they, they help with the activities that they do with the residents is a really good thing that they do because it helps them understand what we do as a community uh, as an organization and i think it's fair to say that norwood in many respects is actually quite unique as a charity because there aren't necessarily that many charities in the community and within the jewish community in particular who understand and appreciate the importance of the religion for those that they help especially when it comes to those who have different needs would you say that norwood is quite unique in that sense the way that you integrate both special needs and I don't necessarily like that term but I know it's what people are recognized but special needs with religion yeah I think so and I think we we always make sure that people are aware of what we do and all of our staff are well aware of the, the religions that we follow uh, on Friday we do the Shabbat and everything like that in the homes and all of our support workers they'll go out to the Jewish Museum and they do a course so everybody is fully aware of that and all of our residents as well Excellent. Well, good luck with that. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pippa Ewing from Norway. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you'd like any more information on any of the guests or the stories, anything you've heard on this week's show, you can go to our website, jewishviews.co.uk. We're here at the Work Avenue charity event today, and here with me is Richard Linden, who is a careers advisor for Work Avenue. What has today brought for you? today yes well it's it's been a great opportunity for all the charities especially those in the Jewish community to showcase all of their jobs and it's been great for me to meet some of these people and especially as I spend a lot of my time telling my clients about the jobs within these vacancies it's been a great way of me meeting these people and then sort of putting a face to a name and and uh, making these you know turning hopefully turning these vacancies and you know telling my clients about them in more detail well let's talk a little bit about that because what is the process of someone coming up to you and saying look I I'm trying to get back into work I'm not quite sure how to go about it what do you do at that point I always try to take a holistic approach I, I try and look at all the factors so I, I initially I'll, I'll spend quite a lot of time delving deep into their into their career history their aspirations what they want to do perhaps any training or education they've done and I, I, I try and build up a picture and really try and use that to give them the best possible advice for how to move forward so that could be help improving their CV help with specific job applications could be a whole range of things sometimes people are completely stuck so so we have to literally start from scratch and work out what careers it is they could do but, but based on their history their work history but also based on what they enjoy what 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 they want to do their aspirations for the future so really no there's there's no set method i, I it's usually a case-by-case -case basis where I, I i i treat the individual as the individual you know what sort of age range do you find come to you are they younger people or older people or is it just a mixture it, it's a real mixture. I mean, I get people as young as 16 that are at school still thinking about, you know, what careers to do. Uh, equally, um, I had a lady just earlier who I didn't ask her, her age. You never ask a lady her age. But um, I would imagine she was in her early to mid 70s. She had a long career as an educational psychologist, but just wanted to, she, she almost retired and wanted to just carry on working. You know, did, wasn't ready to retire yet. So, so if, and, and anyone in between. So you're getting people that want to volunteer 
as well as one paid work? Most people, I would I would say it's paid work. Paid work. I, I think it, it it sometimes volunteering is a good option for them to help them get back into the workforce mm. while they while they apply for for jobs. You know, and, and also the other thing as well, without wanting to sound too rude, but perhaps you could tell people a bit why you are in the position you're in. What qualifies you? to help people in the way that you help them. Yeah, absolutely. My training was some years ago. I worked for a government organisation on a European social funding programme and they trained us up in the job. So it was a very extensive training and uh, you know, after many years of doing it, I felt very at home in the job and I'm at the stage now where I, you know, I feel very comfortable advising people. Richard, I know you're a very, very, very busy man today. <laughs> yeah. Richard Linden from Work Avenue, thank you very much for coming on The Jewish Thanks Views. for having me. Time now for a very fitting thought for the week from Charity Central. We have Rabbi Sander Milan, who is one of the rabbis at the Jewish Learning Exchange, otherwise known as the JLE. Thank you very much. Today it's Lech Lecha, the Pasha of Lech Lecha. And right at the beginning of Lech Lecha, there's a verse in the Torah that says, Hashem says to Avram, he says, Go from your house, go from your land, and go to the place that I'm going to show you. And we wonder, you know, this is the first of the ten tests of Abraham. And Abraham has now got this very big challenge. And the question is, Hashem knows that Abraham, what, what he's going to do in the end. Hashem knows exactly what Abraham's going to do. So Hashem knows, so why give him the test? But Nachmanides, the Ramban, says very beautifully that the test isn't for Hashem, obviously. The test is actually for Abraham. Because when a person gets tested, you can have a person who wants to be a great public speaker and he goes out and he wants to do, and he goes and listens to the greatest speakers and he goes and practices and he stands in front of the mirror. But until he stood out there and actually spoken in public, he hasn't really done it. He hasn't proved himself. And the test is there for him. And Abraham was one of those, he was the paradigm. He, he depicts the paradigm of kindness and going out there and and doing things for other people and now being at work avenue which is a place that is an incredible opportunity gives many people in the community the opportunity to go out there to network and to learn about their skills to develop their skills it's it's very fitting that we're here today that we have this Pasha, that this Pasha t- talks about Abraham and really is the, the paradigm Pasha of Abraham and introducing Abraham as the one that goes out there. He had to go and do the test, but in, in, in truth, he is the paradigm of chesed, of kindness, and that's uh, where we're at today, a place that is built on that. Thank you very much to Rabbi Sandor Milan from the JLE for our thoughts for the week. And that's it for this episode of The Jewish Views. I think we've had great fun here at Charity Central. It was Charity Central abs- and Finchley Central. And Finchley Charity Central, Central in Finchley yeah. Central from Work Avenue. It it's brilliant. not in the least bit confusing. We've been grappling with that the whole podcast, but hopefully you've understood it and it's given you a real insight into what the day's been about. Thank you very much indeed to all of the guests who have featured. Far too many to name them one by one, but you know who they are and we thank them very much indeed. We must also thank the staff and the team here at Work Avenue who have made us feel incredibly welcome and not in the least bit like we're getting in the way. So thank you very much to them. And also thanks goes to our 
producer Sue Greenberg, as well as you at home for listening. Don't forget that you can always listen to this or indeed any previous episode of The Jewish Views by visiting our website, jewishviews.co.uk. And please do remember to subscribe to us in your podcast application. The Jewish Views is brought to you in association with The Jewish News. From me, Phil Dave. Me, Tony Honigberg. And Kate Fulton. Please do join us next time here on The Jewish Views. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.